you have to state at some point, I can't guarantee the aesthetic result, but with my experience, I think we'll get close to that. That's mm. what I anticipate to happen. Welcome to the Aesthetics Mastery Show. I'm Dr. Tim Pierce. Hi, I'm Ryder Pierce. And today we're talking about a poll which I did yesterday on my Instagram stories. I asked, what is the hardest thing about being an aesthetic practitioner? And we got lots of interesting stuff back, but number one on the list was managing patient expectations. So I thought, why don't I share what I've learned over the last 12 years about managing patients um, through the communication skills of the consultation and see if that'll help you guys shrink down the significant problem. So why does this topic have to be so hard? Oh, so don't forget to give this video a like if this is a topic that you're interested in learning about. So why does the topic have to be so hard? Um, so this is really, really about the complexities of human humans and how they work in their own minds and how they relate together through these little vibrating vocal cords <laughs> that we're supposed to get these complex ideas across. So um, there's a lot of different ways you can get wrong. Get wrong. And the way I started to think about it is that it's a bit like a game. Um, the only problem is this game, when you meet someone for the first time, no one has defined what the rules of the game are. And even more trickily, no one has defined what the outcome of the game is. Mm. Uh, and there are actually many different ways that patients have a vision in their head of how this is going to have an impact on their lives. And we don't always get to the bottom of that. And quite often we think it's about our own game. So I provide the product, I look after you, I manage the risks. And the patient is, I pay the money, I get all the things in my life clicking into place because I paid the money. And it's really worth understanding it from these two extremes so that you can see how much work lies ahead for a good clinician to make sure that all these domains of outcome have been talked about and modified and that everyone is roughly on the same page, but also you're never gonna be exactly on the same page because there's too, many, too much subtlety and complexity. But the difference between a good consultation and a bad one is light years apart. Mm -hmm. So um, we can definitely improve things a lot just by thinking about it in this way. Give us an example of where the expectations between the patient and the clinician are too wide and causes problems. And the most common example is that the patient has um, lots of unconscious expectations. And, and actually, I think this is true with all consultations and every, every, almost every intervention a patient has, that they're not always entirely conscious of everything that's driving them. That's certainly how I've come to understand patients over 12 years. And what I mean by that is there, there is the, the classic example, which I've had many times in my earlier career, particularly was, um, I've had this treatment, I've paid all this money, I like it, but nobody's noticed. Mm. And then they're disappointed. And they're disappointed because nobody's noticed. Yet I've put a ton of effort into designing something that looks natural. So they look more beautiful, but that no one can actually tell they've had anything done. So there's a there's a mismatch in expectations that I never identified in the first consultation because they were hoping that everyone around them, particularly, you know, a partner at home was going to say, wow, you look amazing. Mm. And, and actually, you know, I, we know this from haircuts. I mean, when, when will people ever learn? You have your haircut and four days later, someone says, oh, you had your haircut. Yeah. Like, yeah, for the, for nearly a week. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, if you're doing it so that people respond, you'll quite often be disappointed because, um, mostly it's like when you put makeup on, like not everyone goes, Hey, ni nice makeup. In fact, the goal of it is that you don't notice the makeup. You just think someone's looking good. And it's a lot like that with a lot of, a lot of these treatments, but you have to articulate that. Otherwise there's a minority, it is a minority of patients who will be disappointed because their partner didn't pick up on it. So what do you mean? Like, as in, do you have to say, ask them 
and get to the bottom of the fact that one of their expectations is that they will have people compliment them. Yeah, so one of the ways that they might validate the money that they've spent for the procedure is that someone has picked up that something's changed. And often the bigger the claims, you know, the, about how great it's going to look, the more likely they will be, you'll attract an audience who'll be thinking, oh, finally, you know, people will think I look gorgeous and they'll tell me. And if that doesn't happen, there's that can be a, a reason why they doubt the effectiveness of the treatment. So when you say the claims made by a clinician, do you mean an Instagram page where the before and afters are phenomenal and then someone comes in with a budget of one syringe and they just don't match? Yeah, and it can, it can even just be that the photographs are well collated and well presented. You know, if, you have, if, you, if you're very good at photography and are presenting your work and you create a constant stream of stunning before and afters on 26-year-olds, your 38-year-old or 45-year-old who comes and has her lips done who never makes it onto your page might be expecting that she will you know it's that kind of uh, it's that kind of subconscious expectation that that unfortunately disappoints lots of clients because it's it's all baked into an, an overall client journey that includes the marketing and includes the things that they're set up to believe and so you you need a good long conversation to avoid those things so how if the patient doesn't even know that's what they want how do you draw it out of them well, they know when you ask them and, and they know when you don't deliver it. Yeah. So, so that's that's the thing with expectations is is that if firstly, if you assume that the patient doesn't hasn't necessarily articulated yet and you've got to get them to articulate that in the in the consultation, you're already miles ahead of everyone else because everyone else thinks what they tell you is all you need to know. Um mm. and or or that simply by fulfilling your end of the bargain by your definition yeah. that that's all that they need to know and actually you've got to scrap that idea like it's all about establishing the un the unwritten contract we often call it so everyone goes into every situation expecting to people to behave a certain way and what they what they often mean by that is they expect people to behave as they would behave if they knew what they knew about their end of the bargain and so it's all of that is nonsense. Like you have to scrap it and assume that people don't really know how any of this stuff works and start from scratch with each patient. And then, you know, once you've seen them once or twice, you don't have to do it as, as anywhere near as much effort or as much detail because they understand the parameters. And of course, some patients are more sensible or wise and they kind of understand it a little bit earlier or they've got a medical background or an artistic background. There are lots of things that, that make people wise to how this really works. But there are a big cohort of people who think... Um, you know, if you go to the person who's got the best reputation and if you've got the budget, you're going to get exactly what you yeah. want, no matter what that exactly is. And that's where you get all the disappointment. So how can we draw that out of them, what they actually want? So um, you've got to be systematic with the, the domains that you're aiming for an impact. So this is one of the key things. If you take anything from this, remember that the patient isn't just after the aesthetic result. That's what everyone thinks even the patient might think that but there's there's an unconscious process of i want to look a certain way so that i will feel a certain way so that people might respond to me a certain way so that i'll be able to do things i don't currently do in the same way so there's like there's, there's these almost four different layers it's basically the biopsychosocial so um you know i what it will be like will be simple and easy because you never see you know, it's not like there's a stream of complications on every on every before and after. So you expect it to go quite smoothly, you expect to get exactly the result that you want, you expect to feel brilliant because you've got exactly the result you want, you expect to be more confident in your social circumstances and for people to say, wow, don't you look great? Now, if that's the set of expectations, you've got a lot of work to do at every step along that journey, but you need to start looking for that. So when you start talking to your patients, they will normally start by saying, 
I want one mil of lip and one mil of filler in my yeah. lips or something. So then you've got to say, okay, show me what you're expecting to get from that. And a lot of practitioners hate it when the patient gets out a picture of a celebrity. And I like it. And the reason I like it is because what that patient is trying to do is communicate a complex image that they have in their own mind through something they can show you. Because I don't know if you ever thought about how difficult it is to explain a three-dimensional object or, or you know features of, of a face using just words it's it's mentally very difficult to talk about the angles they don't even have the vocabulary for it you know we do it all day long i was talking to one of my colleagues recently about an aesthetic treatment she wants to have and we were both struggling to turn what we knew to be true aesthetically into words because there's a lot of especially when things get subtle that there's a lot lot of nuance and you're trying to describe things using analogies in fact in this particular case it was the idea that the face, as it gets older, becomes more diamond-shaped as opposed to more heart-shaped. Now, that sounds like a reasonable description, but when you're actually going to inject, mm. like, what are you actually looking for? What's the actual shift? And this is essentially what happens with cheek fat pads, is they, they drop down as you get lower, and the, the lateral projection gets slightly lower, so it becomes more diamond-shaped. Now, I've got years of experience, and I can kind of piece that together and start to understand what the patient wants, but patients don't often describe things in that way and they're they're quite often just have a subconscious dissatisfaction they're hoping that you can you can um, understand for them and create a treatment design but that takes a lot of work like you you have to listen to the words and then you have to try and reflect back so whatever they're telling you 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 need to show them pictures that validate it or that they can say no that's not what i mean mm. um, and there's a lot of that in a good good expectation management which is you offer your description of the thing that they're telling you and then they sense check it for you no, no not quite that it's more this mm. um is it like this image or and you can of course use the uh, use use photographs your before and afters you can use pictures of them when they're younger you can use pictures of celebrities pictures off the internet you can use photoshop all of these things you're 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 constantly offering your interpretation of what they're saying and then modifying it if you can't achieve it. But the key, the first key step is that you validate what they're saying. So they say one thing, you say, is that what you mean? And they say, yes. So if I said, I, want, I bring a picture of Angelina Jolie, give, yeah. me the, give me some Angelina Jolie lips. So I'd say, so um, in terms of what you like about these, these lips, what, do you, what is it that stands out to you? Nice. Now, is yeah. it, so because what you're always looking for with the celebrity picture is something, a communication. Most, very few people really expect they're going to look like Angelina Jolie. What they're saying is, take me in this direction. And that's an, another great tip is that you should always talk about uh, relative changes, not absolute changes. I'm not going to make you look like Angelina Jolie, but I can take what you're communicating in this image and use it to inform my treatment design to make you a little bit closer to Angelina Jolie. So, you know, you might say, well, look at look at her tubercles. I can see that's what you like. I can see you have essence of that, but I can make them a little bit fuller. That'll shift you in that direction. And, you know, I quite often assume they know they're not going to look like Angelina Jolie. And I'll say, and obviously you're not going to look exactly like them, but we're going to use it, we're going to be using those, uh, her lips as inspiration. Mm -hmm. And that therefore they feel listened to. You can then say, well, I won't be able to get it as good as this in this area or as big or as full or as whatever shape is you, you're trying to. So you're, you're modifying what you, you're telling them what you can't do and telling them what you can do yeah. um, using the image that they're using to try and communicate what's a very difficult thing to communicate. What happens if they are one of those really kind of like amenable people and you say, well, obviously I'm not going to be able, so let's say they had a budget of one mil and you're like, well, I'm not going to be able to, you know, lift the whole face with one mil. And then they're like, yes, yes, doctor. Yes, absolutely. But 
really they end up being disappointed. How, how do you do you try and modify them when they just are a yes men about it? Yeah, um, you need to get them to confirm um, exactly what you can't do. So, really? so it'd be something like, um, so I can make them a little bit like that, but is it still worth it to you to do the procedure if we don't get the lower lip to look exactly like that, but, but it'll just be, you know, a version of your lips slight, slightly fuller, you know, and they, they, if they don't give you a definite, then you need to go back around it because you're looking for, you're actually looking for them in their own mind to say, no, I'm not going to get that. It's not really about them saying it to me. I know they're not going to get it. I want them in their own mind to say, I'm giving up on that idea mm. and I'm accepting a new a new version of that idea. But to do that, you need them to say something. You can't just say, um, you're not going to get Angelina's, Jody's, Jody's lips, but we can still do your lip treatment. Let's carry on. Yeah. Because they can still be hanging on to the hope that it'll be something like that. So you need them, you need to say, is it still worth doing this procedure if you get fuller lips that don't look like Angelina Jolie's lip, but still fit with your face. And they have to say yes to that or you don't continue. But it's it's not that they've said it to you, it's that they've said it to themselves mm -hmm. that really protects you from the, the, the consequences of them expecting something else. What about the clinician's expectations? Yeah, I think it's really important to think about what your own expectations are and whether they are reasonable. Because it's very, very easy for us to say, oh, all these unreasonable patients with unreasonable expectations. But how, how reasonable is it for a clinician to expect every patient to behave exactly according to how they would behave if they were having the same treatment? Um, you know, the, the average clinician, when you first start, you think... Well, if I'm providing this clinical space and my knowledge and I'm going to look after all the risks and all you've got is a budget for one mil, you shouldn't have ridiculous expectations that you're going to look amazing. And also, um, don't forget you're paying for my time and my expertise and all this training. And that's not how patients think. They think they're paying 200 pounds or 500 pounds, doesn't matter what it is, which is a lot of money. And they therefore should get a lot of the things they want on their list. So it's this, this two different sets of games going on. And... Um, what one that that's almost like you're playing on a completely different pitch because the expectations are so different. It's not okay for you to assume that your patient is just going to accept the time and the effort that you put into it um, automatically and the risk that you're taking. You, you need they need you need to make sure they know that before they go into it. So, you know, it's the way that you phrase things in terms of what you're offering. Is th it's things like um, you have to state at some point, I can't guarantee the aesthetic result, but with my experience, I think we'll get close to that. That's mm -hmm. what I anticipate to happen. And, um, you know, part of what you pay for is the follow-up and the aftercare. And if there are any complications, I can look, I can look after you as well as part of what you've paid, for example. Um, but you're not saying that the more you pay, the more certain you are of the outcome, because unfortunately it's, it's biological. You know, the, there's, there's a lot of analog unpredictable stuff that happens with these treatments and you just have uh, you're, you're both acting in good faith that with some ex with the experience that you have and the training that you have that you're going to get close to that outcome but unfortunately none of this should be guaranteed mm. now when you get very very experienced it is hard not to give that impression because quite often I, I know what I can achieve and I can be very certain with that with that outcome but if you're early on in this game you have to use relative terms. A relative improvement should get better. We'll move you closer to that result, but I can't take you all the way there. Um, and, and you'll be surprised. Most patients do not mind at all um, having a, a, the likelihood of improvement versus an absolute end goal if you just said it to them. And, and it, it, you really don't lose patients by, by speaking this way. They respect the honesty, I think. They respect being put in the picture and educated. Yeah, absolutely. What are really good questions to ask in the consultation that will manage expectations? 
So it's important, first of all, to think about the expectations in each domain. Um, and obviously the most important domain is what they think it's going to look like. That's actually usually as far as most people go. But you can still end up with a very disappointed patient if you don't get the psychosocial stuff right, which as hopefully if you've been watching this channel for long enough, you'll know that's what I think the whole goal is of aesthetics is the psychosocial. But um, start by asking them what they're hoping to see. And they will quite often struggle to communicate that because it's a difficult thing to communicate. So use images, look at old pictures of them of, that they may have on their phone, um, look at celebrity pictures and try and gather, remembering that it's they're trying to describe a complex three-dimensional shape um, using just words, and it's very hard to do that. So you have to pay attention, reflect it back, and get to the bottom of what they're hoping to see. Once you are, you know what they're hoping to see, you can then modify it. It's very hard to start modifying it before you know what's going on in their head. So I'm hoping to see this line disappear is a black and white thing they're expecting. And if you don't think you can get that line to disappear and it's only going to fade, you need to say it to them. It will improve, but it's not going to disappear. And it's better to say that than to leave any hope that somehow it's going to disappear. Um, and that that protects you. It's the relative term. You'll see a good improvement. Maybe, make, you know, I basically choose a rough number, 50 to 80% improvement, but it's still going to be there after two weeks. That's the kind of thing that you do to modify that specific outcome once you know what they're looking for. What about something that's not just a black and white line going? What about lips? Yeah, so you'd need them to um, either show you. So sometimes it helps, you know, a little cotton bud. You can actually show the elevation of the lip or the size of the lip. Um, I use uh, Photoshop quite often in, in when I'm really uncertain. So you can just show them the relative proportion that you could create the different shape or the detail before and after photos if that they might bring with them i think they're useful celebrity photos they bring with them um, so take all of those that information and validate the bit that they're hoping for the most we've talked about celebrities and other pictures of other people would you start and do things with their face physically to show them what's possible yeah i think that's actually probably the most powerful way of doing it and it works particularly well if you're doing a non-surgical facelift because you can show you know a little lift in your cheek a little lift at your gonial angle uh, a little bit of support in your chin and there's this moment where you you can get across them how it all works together as a unit um, and so sh showing with a with a certain amount of touch um, when they're looking in a mirror is probably the most powerful works very well for lines and wrinkles as well so you can actually stretch apart a little line and say that's what you'll see can you see the shadow is gone but you still see the crease it's that kind of information that that helps you know prepare them for the likely outcome what's a summary of the key ways that you manage expectations so in summary the key way that i manage expectations is first to reflect back to the patient what they are hoping for so they will give you a physical change and if you're good at asking the questions, they will explain the psychological and the social impact of the treatment. And then you have to modify all of that. So the physical change won't be absolute. It's a relative improvement. No matter what, you always say relative improvement. The psychological is if I can give you that relative improvement, will you feel differently? Will you feel more positive? And uh, if you feel more positive, do you think that's enough that you will then do the things you want to do? Take more photos, be more confident on Zoom, whatever it is that people are aiming for. And they should validate that for you and say, yes, if you can soften the line, I think I'll feel better. 
that'll make me behave differently and that means this treatment is worth doing that's that's the sequence that you're hoping to get to um, in the end and then you also should state the things you can't achieve so um, although the line will be softer it won't disappear although your lips will be fuller they won't be as full as Angelina Jolie's whatever it is that you've had in your discussion and then you're looking for them to confirm that for you and said yes I understand that uh, it's still worth doing the procedure if you do all of that you will shrink the number of disappointed clients down hopefully to an insignificant number it does take a lot of talking a picture tells a thousand words as I say and a consultation you're trying to talk about five different complex pictures it's a 45 minute process when you do it well. So let us know in the comments down below what you thought was most useful from that YouTube show. Thank you very much for watching. Don't forget to like and subscribe and we'll see you next week. Take care.